Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, thank you for this day that you have made. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be sitting here at the house of God amongst the people of God listening to the word of God. We pray, Lord, that we will be receptive to your word, that we might welcome your word in our hearts that it would be a lamp unto our feet, that it would be a good seed planted in good hearts, Lord, that would give forth good fruit. We pray that you glorify your name this morning, Lord. We pray, Father God, that we might uh, sit under the ministry of your word and your spirit and that you would empower us to walk in the direction of your purpose, Lord. We give you thanks for your word, Lord. We receive it today as the bread of life. You have said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So we sit here receiving uh, your faithful ministry, Lord, into our lives that we might be uh, made whole, Lord, healed, restored, and that we might do your work upon the earth, Lord. Bless your word. Father God, you say that you send it out and it does not uh, return void, but it, it accomplishes that which you send it out for, Lord. So we give you thanks ahead of time, and we know, Father God, that this is the day that you have made for us to rejoice and be glad. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. So uh, a lot of people are celebrating green today as St. Patrick's Day. Uh, that, that is a tradition that is uh, covering the earth somewhat. But I, I want to um, share something that the Lord has, has shown me. Uh, in this past week as, as I constantly uh, try to put my antennas up and, and receive from the Lord something that, that uh, he would have us receive and to know. And um, it all starts with uh, Paul writing to Titus in the Titus chapter 2 verse 1. And, and he, he, he wants to, the particularities of this particular book is that um, he's starting a work uh, from the ground up, from zero. Um, he's establishing the ground uh, foundational truths of what's going to be a ministry in the future as it grows and everything is in place. And he says like this in Titus ch uh, chapter 2, verse 1. He says these words. Let's put it up on the screen there. Um, but as for you... Speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. Um, you, you would have to be a little bit versed in the Bible to understand that sound doctrine is, is all the, the basic teachings of Christianity. Everything that God wants to know from the basic um, uh, expressions of things that uh, allow for um, you could call it the ABCs of Christianity, the alphabet. Uh, without sound doctrine, everything else goes in a direction that it's not supposed to. And it seems that men are experts at doing this. Um, if, if you gather the religions of the world, that, that shows you the creativity that men have to add stuff to the Bible. I remember when I was in my first year of college, um, I had just become a Christian, and I was excited about venturing out in my walk with the Lord, and I ran into a Hare Krishna. Um, I don't know if you know those guys, but 
Um, they, they, they used to walk around a lot uh, around college campuses and uh, this Hare Krishna religion. Um, I run into this guy. He says, okay, tell me what your book says about hell. And I said, well, it says that uh, there's fire that torments, that there's worms that eat you, uh, that it's a place that's horrible. You feel like you want to drink something and there's no way to satisfy your thirst. And I just told him everything the Bible says. He says, see, my Bible or my book says this. And he started describing all the stuff that, that, uh, that his, his book would describe about hell. And, and so when it comes to making stuff up, men become super creative and they could add a whole bunch of information. But uh, sound doctrine is that thing which makes you solid in your faith. It makes you, nobody can mess with you. When you have sound doctrine, nobody is, is wavering your, um, your walk in the things of God. So there, he's going to start saying, as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. Why should we concern ourselves about this basic ABCs of faith. A lot of people don't even know what the ABCs of faith are, and that becomes a problem down the road. If you read, we're going to put our finger there in Titus, and we go back to 2 Timothy 4.3. The Bible says in the last days, people will not be able to digest. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. In the last days, some people are like, that's not for me. The basic uh, ABCs of Christianity are out the door. Uh, notice the word endure. That, that's a word that goes along with suffering. Endure, you don't endure a good thing. Uh, some of us uh, are having a great time in our marriage. Other of us are enduring this time with a, a difficult spouse. Um, but here it says, the time will come in the last days that they will not endure sound doctrine. What will they do instead of sound doctrine? They says, according to their own desires, so we know that the sound doctrine is not what you want to hear, and then that becomes a case with modern Christianity where people want, well, I don't like this. I don't agree with this. Well, that's not for me. You have some serious problems when what God wants is not what you want and what God feels is not what you feel because that pretty much sets you up to distance yourself from God and disconnect. So here it is. The time will come, and I, I want to say, and now is, because when Paul is writing this to Timothy, he's saying in the future, people are not going to like sound doctrine. And I said, not a in the future for Timothy, but in our present day, people do not endure sound doctrine. Um, there's a whole issue about Sunday is my day to sleep or my day to go to the beach. So let's worship on Saturday night. Let's accommodate a little bit for big me. No, my friend, we're not going to accommodate you. We're going to accommodate God. God. God has a sentiment. And, and so, again, if you're the type of person that you want it your way, eat a Burger King and all this stuff, you're going to miss out God's way. You're going to miss out doing life as God intended. The time will come where they will not 
endure, um, the same word, persevere. They will not suffer sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, um, they want to be tickled. They're seeking their own pleasure. They will heap for themselves teachers. What will these teachers do? Verse 4. The teachers will speak to them what they want to hear, for they will turn their ears away from truth. So there's all sorts of stuff that's going on, and some people just don't want to tune into truth because truth hurts. Um, there's, there, there needs to be someone, somewhere, that loves truth, and, and they're willing to pay the price for truth um, because their ears... Uh, they're, they're itching ears, they turn away from truth, and they turn aside to fantasy. Now, th this is a problem because you, you see, um, if you were to add up all the entertainment world, that's talking about the athletes, the movie theaters, um, songs. Um, if, you, if you total the amount of money that people are allotting in this direction. Uh, I, I don't even want to know. Um, yesterday was one of our friend's birthday, Claudio Molina, turned 60, and we went out and said, um, everybody should have a George Foreman grill. And so we got him a George Foreman grill because when your wife is not around, you stick some patties in there, a sandwich, and you're, you're done. You're 60. You're feeding yourself. Um, 100 million George Foreman grills have been sold in the last 10 years, 100 million. So if you start adding up everything people have paid towards pleasure and seeking some type of entertainment, they'll turn aside from truth and they'll be into fantasy. And I want to suggest that, that this becomes a hindrance for our development. Um, let's go back to Titus chapter 2. Titus 2, 1, um, focusing again upon that which is proper for sound doctrine. If, if I were to give you all a sheet of paper, and, and I said, what direction would sound doctrine take? As soon as you use a biblical word like the ABCs of Christianity, when, when we're going to start, we're going to, this is, I want to talk to you about your life as a solid Christian. First step, what would you put there? As your first step into sound doctrine. And then our, our mind races in a million directions. But thank God the Bible gives us the next step. And this is the next step. When I saw this, I freaked out. That there is no sound doctrine unless there are, verse 2, older men that are sober and reverent and temperament, sound in faith and love and patience. There is no Christianity unless there are men that lead by example. I, I thought what is, what is the due course of sound doctrine, theology or biblical instruction or, or scriptural insight. You know, sound doctrine has, no. Sound doctrine is that there needs to be men willing to, to live this thing 
And if we don't have men willing to live this thing, I want to suggest that we'll get the rest of it wrong. There cannot be. Uh, you'll notice, Verghese, up there in the bookstore, up on the shelf, my first preaching in this church is up there. I know you guys don't. Get it up there. It's next to a wicked woman. There's one about Peter Pan. This was my first preaching in this church 20 years ago. Because I knew that I knew that I knew. Yes. If we did not have the basic teaching for men, this is it right here. You guys didn't know we had this. It says, Godly man or Peter Pan. This was the first preaching I gave um, when we were starting to develop the church and I wanted to find out how do we build the church. You build it upon the character and this was before this. This is what this got perfected and it became what is a man. But if there's no older men that are sober and reverent and temperate and sound in faith, love and patience, we might as well all go home. If there's not a man in Christianity that lives this truth, then there cannot be any hope. The second preaching is over there too. It's godly woman or wicked witch. And that, that comes out along. But you notice, we'll just go real hood. Verse 3, sound doctrine talks about older women. The first one, older men. So today we're going to talk about that. We want to be sound in our doctrine. And when we're sound in our doctrine means that there's a representative example of what Christianity is like. Christianity is not a good pastor. Christianity is not a powerful evangelist, proclaimer of truth. Christianity is men that, that are... Go back to verse 2. Sober. And, and, and it doesn't mean that you're not an alcoholic. It partly means you're not an alcoholic. But sober means uh, you go into the biblical description of sobriety. And it talks about being able to be clear in your head. Sober means that you have no emotional pulls in any direction and that's why if a man is not filled with the spirit of God he's easily swayed into being something he wasn't supposed to be so it's amazing and you you know it um, we, we talk about by the time I, by the time a child was 12 years old in biblical in biblical history, by the time he was 12, he had memorized the entire Bible. And, and you're saying, Pastor, that's impossible. No. Go talk to your kid about statistics in baseball. They know who played what year, how many hits he got, how many errors he got, if he's a member of the Hall of Fame, if he was most valuable player, what he did in the World Series. Uh, you know, just all the statistics 
are there recorded because they watch ESPN 26 hours a day. It's just repetitive information coming in. And so whatever is in a man's heart, that is he. And so I, I just, when I looked at this, and I see that Paul is telling Titus, you guys are starting the work of God. Make sure you stay consistent with sound doctrine. And it's not a religious word. It has a context of saying this is not about theology. This is about there being a man who has a clear head for these things and is not being manipulated. The issue is, what we just read, they will be drawn away from truth. Sobriety is that truth defines your every move. So that even if, if your wife comes and says, honey, I had an idea. If you just, you know, take a bite of this fruit, you won't need God. You'll be like God. And if you're on truth, you say, honey, listen, I don't want anything if the price is not to need God. My dependence is on God. Let's not be independent. Let's be, let's be leaning on him. And we used to love a song in youth group. We used to sing, leaning, leaning, leaning on his everlasting arms. It was like, I need God. And I think that that is the best feeling for any man to every time we're up against an impossibility or an adversity, a conflict that you say, you know something, I'm going to go with God on this. And, and I really think that that is uh, a diffuser. And if it happens early on in your life, the better for you. If you realize that life is too large. That having a family is too humongous of a responsibility. To be able to, to finance and support a family is huge. So if you come to the place where you say, I need God with everything, with every thought. I don't want to have one thought in my mind that I can do it without God. That I can live without God. So here when it's talking about men, we, we need to nail this. We need to. We, we, need, we need to. We, we need to find out what is our participation because as goes the man, so goes the household. As goes the household, so does the community. And, and so this is the basic premise is that sound doctrine has to do with what older men are thinking, what older men are doing. As for you, teach the things that are consistent and in agreement with sound doctrine. Because sound doctrine is able to produce men of good character. A lifestyle that identifies them as true Christians. For the time will come, well, they will not suffer sound doctrine. They won't put up with it. They'll be moved to their own desires. Truth is out the door. They'll get teachers that will teach them things they want to hear and not tolerate the accurate truth that challenges them. Because of itching ears, they'll accumulate for themselves teachers to satisfy 
their own desire and to support the errors they hold. So you can get pretty much nowadays, this is pretty much where we're at. You can find a preacher to tell you virtually anything you want to hear. You can find it. You just search for it long enough. You, you'll, you'll find a preacher that will tell you everybody's going to heaven. There is no hell. That God changes, that he's not the same as the written word. That's the last one I heard. They said that God now will talk to you about new revelations that contradict what he said in the past. There's some preachers that are preaching that now. And so they'll, they'll hear. But, but again, let's go to the premise here. Uh, Proverbs 20, verse 6. This is my favorite verse to quote at the men's conferences. Uh, I don't know if Yvette stole my voice last night. I don't know what happened. Every man proclaims his own goodness. So pretty much a man will tell you anything you want to hear. That's why I tell my nieces to run. Because blah, blah, blah is not the same as delivery. And so I write in my book that some men will promise you everything and then zero delivery. So we use this verse that most men will proclaim each his own goodness. And, and so the list is there. You can write your own, you know, obituary. You're a great man. You, you, you just write it. You have everything you want people to think that you are. But who can find a faithful man? There's many expressions of what a man is, even in this day and age. However you want to judge and measure a man, I, I, I have poor taste for men that dribble a basketball and throw a football and run a race that doesn't take care of his wife and children. I could care less about Mark Anthony singing when he, he destroys every woman that comes into his life. And, and, and I can't believe the women sell out his concerts. This is an anti-Mark Anthony sermon. <laughs> How in hell are you going to fill a stadium to listen to a deadbeat who doesn't take care of his wife and children? And so the women are like, ah. and, and I went because I went to go see uh, the trumpet player. He's my son. And, and I got there and I was looking at the crowd and I was like, why do the men come to these des concerts, deserts? Um, they come because their wives or their girlfriends pull them there to listen to all the goodness of all the love and romance. And the, that's this woman's only chance in the world to get showered with songs of ah, this crooner. Right? He sings great. There's no doubt that the man is talented. But, but he has no substance with his delivery because he can't even keep one woman happy. And so that's sad. But then the men are there because they're following the women. The women are there because they're demon-possessed. <laughs> you got to be demon-possessed to be at a concert with a guy who is talking about how he's going to love and take care of you who can't even take care of anybody. So, okay, poor man needs to get saved. I, I can't wait for the day he's on this stage and testifying. I believe in the power of God. I believe God will save him. 
Yeah. But they're delivering a message. They, they, they're, they're proclaiming a message they can't deliver. So when the Bible says, who can find a faithful man? You're like, man, that's pretty. Okay, there's another translation for this. Who can find a real man? See, that's what it's saying. What is the substance of this thing that we need for sound doctrine? Because now it's a matter of faith. And if there's no older men that are sober, this is a great message. I can't believe I lost my voice on it. <laughs> this is the message, and I don't have no voice. Okay, <laughs> verse 7 tells you what a faithful man is in the book of Proverbs. The righteous man walks wholesomely. He's not lacking in any area of his life. And this is, this is an inspiration for us. That a real man is a whole man. He's not missing any aspect of the expression of manhood. His children, since they have him, are blessed after him. See, God is getting, now God is meddling. He's going into our lives. He's not only telling us we need real men, but a real man are a blessing to their family because of their wholeness. Because they are entire. And so getting there requires the spirit of God. It requires us to, to be formed as God. Um, not only are his children blessed after him for an example... The Amplified Bible says it incredibly. It says, For this righteous man walks in integrity, and his life is in accord with his godly beliefs. How blessed, happy, and spiritually secure are his children after him who have this example to follow. 1 Corinthians 11.7 says what this says in this preaching. The first sex, sex session of this preaching says mirror mirror the wife it says for man indeed ought not cover his head since he is the image and the glory of God that God has embodied in this sober man of integrity the glory of God but the woman is the glory of man the woman is a reflection to the man that she has in her life. And so when a man has gone south, there is not a decent expression of, of the image portrayed, uh, the security, the provision, the protection, all the things that a man supplies to his house allows his children to rejoice. So he's looking at this picture of the father and the mom, the husband and the wife, and they're, they're seeing the glory of God that portrays an assurance and a security in them that is powerful. But here when there's a man who's gone south and not living for the glory of God, you have a woman who is the most dangerous thing in the world. I have to say this. Because I, I, I don't say this in my men's conferences. I say the first part. The, the best part of a man is a woman. 
but I don't say this part I'm going to say now, which is when a woman ceases to be what God created, she's the most destructive force in creation. Why? Because she was created to help man achieve God's purposes, and when she goes south and she's not functioning, now... She becomes the most destructive force. If she's, if she's God's greatest weapon, the devil will flip her to make her his worst enemy. You could notice by all the women saying amen. I'm going to say it again. I'm giving another chance. When a woman is not living in the virtues of godly conduct, she becomes man's worst nightmare. Yeah, that sounds like a Christian church. You guys are the proponents. Like I said, the Mark Anthony comes, he would die a death of a thousand blows if women didn't go to his concert. There's no men going to his concert except homosexuals. There was a whole group of homosexuals, man, in that concert. I was like, crazy. They're using love songs to be perverted. Isn't that crazy? What God intended between a man and a woman, the Bible says they go against that which is of nature and they burn with lust, the ones towards the other. It's in the Bible, in the chapter one of the book of Romans. So, okay, if men stop supporting everything that's screwed up in this world, then men wouldn't be as, I asked this question, here it is. We'll go to the country of Mexico just so that we don't go to all the countries. But this is, this is true in the majority of countries. Who destroys their son's marriage in Mexico? It's the suegra. It's the mother-in-law. You would figure she wouldn't do that because she wouldn't go against the woman. But the worst nightmare of a young married girl in Mexico is her mother-in-law. When these young boys get married, oh, baby, either the glory of God's going to come out or Cruella DeVille <laughs> is going to manifest. She doesn't cook like I cook. She doesn't clean like I clean. Are you kidding me? You're going to trample your son's marriage? Okay, I'm diverting. Okay. <laughs> I just want you guys to know this and proclaim it. We need solid men because solid men produce solid women. And you can't, let's go back to 1 Corinthians eleven seven. You cannot have a glory which manifests. Glory is a reflection. So a lot of men come up to me and says, why is my wife face like all like bitter the whole time? I go, I don't know. It must be a reflection of you, my friend. This, this thing, mirror, mirror on the wall. Why does my wife look like an old hag? Because you are disgusting, my friend. Because you're a poor excuse for the glory of God. And so sound doctrine addresses this. And this is not male bashing. It's not female bashing. It's sound doctrine. That if we do not have sober men, Titus chapter 2, verse 2. If we don't have men that rise up in sobriety. There is no way 
we can have a hope. Yeah, I, I want you, and we'll, we'll try and get to this real quick, but, but look, full-aged men, we're not talking about 60-year-olds. We talked about that on Wednesday. We're not waiting for our children to be 30, 40, and 60 to change the world. Charles Spurgeon was a Christian at 12. He was a pastor at 16. He was a senior pastor of the largest church in London at 18. What does that tell us? That we are behind schedule. A lot of people is like, well, when I turn 60, I'm going to be the man of God. No, you're not, my friend. If you're not the man of God at 20, 24, 25, 30, you're not the man of God at 60. That's a, that's a hogwash. I haven't used that word in a long time. Hogwash. If you're not the man of God now. So I taught my sons when they were 12, 13, 14 years old. I showed them the, the, the movie, the biography of Charles Spurgeon. And when they saw that he got saved at 12, he was a pastor at 16. He was a senior pastor of the largest church in London at 18. Brandon told Julio he was 12 or 13. He goes, I want to teach Sunday school. I want to be a teacher in there, and I want to start giving to other people what I've received. And so my, my sons are now, all three of them are pastoring different age groups. They're, they're participating. They put their shoulder under the weight of ministry. I thought they were going to tell me no. I thought they were going to say what a lot of men say, I don't have time. But again, we talked about in men's group, if you don't have time for God, you'll never have time for everything he wants to do with your life. He wants to do incredible things. So this thing about being men, it's, it's after the age of 12, you're prime in your status. No excuses for you to walk in that regard. So we talked about that. Um, and, and so we, we enumerate this. Men of age, number one, we're not going to expect our children that are 10 to carry. <laughs> my pet peeve, pastor, you're never going to know what my son told me. He's six years old, and he woke up today and told us, this is the Lord's day. We must go worship God. And, and you have 45-year-old men that are saying, pastor, my six-year-old son said, this is the day of the Lord. I would go to the house of God. And I'm like, listen to me. I rejoice that your son is motivated, but I don't rejoice that he's telling you because you're to tell him. Right. You're the source of the inspiration of your children. Right. You're the one that has the word of the Lord. Man is driving down the street. He's like, God, where are you? I don't know where you are. His three-year-old grandson. Hallelujah. Trust God. He goes, oh. the Bible says out of mouth of babes. But he was supposed to be driving the car saying, hallelujah, trust God. So his grandson sees he has a grandfather who loves God. Yeah, your children are not to teach you about God. Your grandchildren are not to have the revelations. They're supposed to have the legacy. They're supposed to hear the great, powerful works their dad has done. He couldn't. He was depressed all the time. He's under his chair. He's defeated. He's depleted. He's diminished. Any more D words? <laughs> you're supposed to be a powerhouse. Amen. Sound doctrine means you're leading the pack. Right. Not even your wife. Pastor, you don't know how spiritual my wife is. She has these dreams that, whoo, 
Every weekend's a dream. She saw the third heaven. She saw the archangels. She saw the choir. She saw my grandmother. She saw everything. And you don't see nothing, man. You're poor, sick. You're tired. You're depleted. Sound doctrine is men that are on fire for God. Men that are sacrificial. You know what my dad did? What did your dad do? And when I was growing up, I was proud. Uh, we got saved. And my dad had a lot of money, and he went and bought a school bus for the church. I was like, go, Dad. You show them. You're giving the church a school bus. That's my dad. What are you doing for God that gets your kids excited about the fact that you're a Christian? There needs to be sound doctrine, and it begins not by deep theology. It becomes by older men that are sober sobriety, clear-headed. I, I looked up these words. I, I, let's enumerate them first. One of age, two sober, three reverent, four temperament, sound in faith. I, I put sound as one, two, three, four, five. Then faith, love, and patience. These are seven expressions of things that if we don't have, I was doing it 20 years ago. I'm saying if men are not solid, this church won't be solid. And then I did the women. If women are solid, then when they get together, you have two no solid people working against God and against his work. So I knew that this church had to be built up on godly men and godly women. Godly men and godly women. Uh, there's a big movement in America that all they do in ministry is support women's ministry because they're the only ones that show up at church and support children's ministry because they're the only ones that their moms care about. And there's zero men's ministry in America. Zero men's ministry in America. Lifeway, the publishing company, said, Mr. Molina, we're going to publish your book, What is a Man? I said, praise God. And six months later, it says, no, we changed our mind. And then we changed our leader in men's ministry. Then we closed the men's ministry department at Lifeway. They closed it down. Maybe because people don't, men don't buy books. Maybe because men are not into being men of God. You know some I, I... I'm a lawyer. I will walk down the street and I see a man pouring his riches into property. Hey, pastor, I just bought five lots. Good, my friend. We don't have a church bus. Yes, we do, but I'm just. How could your passion be about the things that have no spiritual significance? How could it be that you would be known by your children, not by the property lots you've purchased, my friend? If this was a good church, amen would be through the roof. Amen. No, don't say amen. Listen, we need men who love God more than anything. And that their creative juices move, it moves in the direction of God. But we said on Wednesday, these have Philippians 2, their mind on earthly things. Let's go to Philippians 2, please. I think it's verse 
11, thereabouts. No, way before that. Let me see. I'll look it up. They, we, we talked about Paul saying, you guys follow our example because if we don't have an example to follow, there's not going to be another generation. Two. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Um, it's Philippians 1, 12. I messed up again. I'm going to find this. This has to come. It's 318? Are you sure? Yes, there it is. 317. It says, brethren, join in following my example and notice those who walk like I do. You have us as the footprints going ahead of you. Verse 18. For you know many, and that, that, that's it, the large crowd, I've told you often, but now I tell you with tears in my eyes, they are enemies. They're not building, they're tearing down. Enemies of the cross of Christ. They're not denying themselves, they're indulging. If they have any extra money, it goes to them, not to God. Verse 19 whose final days is destruction. The end is not a happy day. There's no faith. There's no hope. There's no love. Their God is their belly. They glory in things that are shameful because they set their mind on earthly pursuit, earthly priorities. Their concern is about earth, not heaven. And, and so that's why we're talking today. We're, we're just talking. I'm yelling, but you guys are talking. One sober. What's the sober mean in the Hebrew language? A disposition of cool and calm. Titus 2.2. Sober means you're not infected with anything that diverts or distorts your vision for spiritual matters. Pastor, when my kid grows up, he wants to be like the WWF. I go, you know why? Because his father loves WWF. He wants to champion the God of his fathers. He hasn't seen how to champion the gospel of Jesus Christ. He hasn't been inspired by dad to go on a missionary trip. It's criminal that you haven't taken your kids on a missionary trip. All my kids went on their first missions trip at the age of six months. I don't know what you learned at six months, but they were there. <laughs> they were there. Why? Because I was there. I was going to the mission field. I was moving in the direction of God. I wanted to see what the Bible speaks about when it says, go and preach the gospel. My daughter at six years old, we were in Nicaragua. This is a big outdoor crusade outreach. 
And so Nick preached, Joshua preached. My guy told me, get out of the way and put your kids to preach. So I gave the mic, Nick said a word, and then Nick tells me, well, why'd you take the microphone away? I wasn't finished because I was in shock of what he had said. I was so blown away. I was like, that's enough. He says, I'm not done yet. And then Joshua shared powerhouse word, and then Brandon shared. And we went over to Christina, who was six years old. What can a six-year-old daughter say but what she hears her father say? And she grabbed that mic, and she testified for the Lord. She says, one day, I'm like, oh, no. What's she going to say? I was riding my bike, and I fell, and I, the bike was on top of me, and I couldn't get up. And I said, Lord, help me, and the Lord helped me. The Lord is a helper. I said, hallelujah. The Lord is a helper. The Lord is a helper. She's six years old, and she's not talking about PlayStation. She's not talking about Hello Kitty. No, hello, kitty. What are your kids all in? I just went to a birthday party. saw a little girl dressed like a unicorn. I wanted to cry. Unicorn, really? That's sad. It's all out. But men that are sober are men that are cool, calm, and collected in spirit. The second word used there is reverent. Another one that describes this is grave. That talks about serious, and serious is truth. You're no more serious than how you love truth. And so people say, why are you so angry? I can't stand people thwarting truth and delivering a lie. I don't think that we were created for that. We're not to eat, what's it called, when you stretch truth. Your truth is supposed to be so powerful. You don't need to stretch it. You just be real. Be serious. And you'll see how huge that is in our world where everything is fantasy. Everything is gloss. Everything is Photoshop. But the gospel is down, crude, rude truth. And it offends people. And if if you're going to get along in this culture, you have to despise truth well truth is relative it just depends who you are depends where you are and that's your truth no my friend truth is Jesus he's the way the truth and the life and no one comes to the father he'll give you a real portrait of reality that's what the word truth means reality that's what reverence means it's real this word temperament has an issue with me. Temperament is the second, this is the third word. We did sober, reverent. Now temperate. Temperate means that you can govern yourself. Nothing makes you lose your, your governance, your, your, your ability to, to do exercise and preside, to, to be able to govern your own conduct because I think it's, it's a problem when we want other people to be Christians. I just went up to Vermont, and, and I told them, listen, I told this to the church on Sunday morning. Christians hate homosexuality, and they hate abortion, and they hate anything that has not to do with the biblical. But worse than all these 
is a fake Christian. See, nobody has an issue with that. But I will, I'll be challenged to tell you that, that the homosexual, that the, the abortion, the abortion clinics, that all the death that's being produced and all the divorces and all the garbage that we're against are nothing compared to a Christian who's a fraud, who's a fake, who's not living this thing in his own personal life. Some people's like, Pastor, be careful, nobody follows you. Why? Because they might find out you're not a real Christian. Listen, let them follow me. Let them see where I go. Let them hear what I say. Let them follow me. So that they can see the substance of reality. And that's the glory of God. There's nothing on me, it's just the grace of the Lord. It makes us temperament. Our conduct is not wavering because of circumstance. We are not flimsy little Christians. Oh, I'm happy and, and when everything is going good, but when it's not, I'm sad. I'm sad. This is not fun. No, my friend. You have a behavior that is consistently thorough through and through. I want to say that the word temperament is used for the older people in the faith that they not be roller coaster emotional scenarios. That they're just sound in their manner of living. Uh, sound, the word sound there, it's coming up, is wholesome. This is not one particular part of my life. A lot of people says, well, you preach real good, but let me see how you live real good. Listen, my message has no substance unless I'm living what I preach. Unless I am doing what I say, I'm just throwing words up in the air. So the same thing with you. Live the life that you proclaim. Come up to that level. I remember I was a young Christian. They gave me a radio station. They gave me a slot in a radio program. I must have been 17, 18 years old. And so I had 15 minutes. And I was like, I'm going to bring a message. Those 15 minutes, you're going to burn in hell. And, And the Lord says, man, I'm sizing you up with everything you say. The Lord told me. I said, okay, I'm not preaching like that no more. Because if it's for me, now I'm going to talk about Jesus saves and Jesus forgives. And so I, 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 I went to what I was living and not preaching what I don't live. Let's be sound in faith. Let's be whole in expecting God to show up. This thing about faith is such a blessing. When you see it, you, it says that, that a man should go and proclaim the gospel everywhere and if necessary, use words. That your life would be an example of faith and that's reliance upon God. You, you need people, I was saying over there in, in Vermont, some people says, oh, Joaquin, you use religion as a crutch. I go, nah, it's a flatbed tow truck. It, it doesn't take a little of me, it takes all of me. It carries me. I need God a thousand percent. Not just a little bit. He's not my co-pilot. I sit there and he's the pilot. He's the one that's driving this thing. So our faith has to manifest. Our love, the same thing. I, I wish I had more time. We don't. But the Bible says in Matthew 24, 12, that in the last days, the love of many is going to wax cold. It's going to grow cold. Because if you're not passionate and enthusiastic about this and I think it's criminal the people that preach without passion 
the sermon in the book of gospel says, love one another. No, man, love. It's got love one another. Get, get into what you're proclaiming because the love of many will grow cold. What's that mean? A lot of selfish pigs. That's the last days. There cannot be sound doctrine when the men are selfish. I hope, I'm just, if we've taped this, I'm just going to play it in the next service. Because this one's going to be a lot better than the second and the third one. Love has to increment, increase. I need to love God more, the people of God more, the Bible more. As the days grow worse, I need to be a light. But because the days are growing worse, the love of many is growing indifferent and cold. You can't have sound doctrine with a cold man. How are you doing? Praise God, brother. No, man. Get that stuff in your juices. Make it up your crawl. Make, make your, your life in the spirit exciting for your wife and your children. What God says, what God is showing you, what God is telling you, what God wants you to do. The love of many, let's go back to Titus 2.2 2 and we're done. It says the last is patience. Sound in patience. That talks about waiting. That means persevering. That means I still don't have what God has promised, but I know it's coming. Because I know I serve a faithful God and I'm waiting and I'm hoping and I've been hoping so long it's about to get here. God's promises are yes and amen. This talks about not throwing the towel under any circumstance. That's what sound doctrine is all about. Let's stand today. Father, thank you for this day. Let us realize that without sober reverent, godly, wholesome, serious men, there could not be a pure gospel of faith that Paul wrote these things knowing that it would be the foundation for the work we have upon the earth. So we pray for the men in this house and around the world that they, Father, press in to run this race, to win, to fight this battle, to overcome and champion the faith that will be delivered to our wives, our children, our grandchildren. Give us that desire. Give us that Holy Spirit, enthusiastic move in our spirit that we might challenge our families with the greatest expression of loving God and serving Jesus Christ without excuse and without restraint for your glory to fill the earth, O oh God, as the waters cover the sea. This we pray in Jesus' name and all the people say amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord and greet the second congregation on the way out.